We are starting an incredible new topic today. We're going to be talking about mikvahs, going into a, a body of water to purify ourselves. And the reason this is such an important topic is because it's such a commonly misunderstood topic because what is the difference between taking a shower and going into a mikvah? What is a mikvah? And what we're going to do is we're going to do it a little differently. Instead of having one shear, which is, you know, one or two hours long, we're going to split this up into pieces and parts. And specifically for this type of discussion, it's important to really frame the halachic and in discussion with some of the deeper machshava principles. But I want to start off with just some of the basic questions, because when it comes to mikvahs, anyone who's familiar with halachos knows that there are so many different elements, different practical details, different, you know, literally, if you go to a mikvah, there's so much going on that most people don't even know about. And I don't want to overcomplicate it by giving hundreds of shirim on all the different concepts in place, but I want to go through some of the basic fundamental halacha questions. So for example, you know, what's the makor? What's the source of the concept of mikvahs? What's the hagdaras mikvimayim? Where does this come from? And what what is the Torah source that going into a mikvah makes you tower? Like, what's the difference between taking a shower and going into mikvah? What makes a mikvah a mikvah? What is mayim chayim? What is the nature of a mikvah's water? And for example, there are different types of mikvahs. There's a bore, and there's a mayan. Those are very different and. What is the difference between a bore and a mayan? You know, a mayan is a natural body of water, and a bore is a pit that, let's say, rainwater will fall into. What's the difference between going into an ocean or going into a mikvah that most people go into? And what's the nature, for example, there's a very specific requirement of 40 sa, 40 sa's of measurement, and there has to be 40 sa of water. That's the measurement for for mikvahs. And also has to be stagnant, ashborn, it can't be flowing. Right, so you can't have, let's say, a leaking mikvah. It can't have leaking. It can't be moving. Why? Why does it have to be static? All of these different details. What's going on here? One of the most well-known psalm for mikvah is the psalm of shuvim. Right? Can it be mayim shuvim? Can't be drawn. If the water goes into a clean to a vessel, then you can't use it for mikvah. Why? What What are the problems with all these classic psalm? Uh, if you go to many mikvahs nowadays, there's something called a bor hashaka where we construct two mikvahs adjacent to each other, and there's a hole between them connecting them to each other. Like, if you would ask someone, why are we doing all these things? What are all these problems? What's going on here? Then you start to enter into this incredible sugya of mikvah. So before we enter into the halacha and more of the, the conceptual Ian questions that we're going to delve into in future shirim, this is going to be a framing shirim. What I want to do is I want to give a fundamental foundation as to the nature of mikvah itself, why we would go into mikvah, and then we can start to understand the different halachas, the debates, the details, the questions that come into play. And the best place to start is to understand what in the world is so powerful about mikvah. Mikvah is incredibly powerful, but why? And why water? What is the nature of water? Why do we go into water to become pure? Because you could say, very simply, that we're we're getting clean, but there has to be something more because there is a difference between going into a shower and going into a mikvah, going into a bath and going into a mikvah. And this type of purity that clearly has to be something much more than physical purity, something's happening here. 
And water is a fundamental theme in so many aspects of Torah. For example, why did Hashem bring the Mabel, the flood? Why did he decide to destroy the world with water? Why does a person, if they want to convert to Judaism, go into a mikvah? What is the idea of a mikvah? There's so many different times when you go into a mikvah. There's just trying to become pure and connect to Hashem. There's when you are trying to, let's say, transition into a different stage of life. A woman is, you know, coming out of nida. Uh, the menstruation cycle goes to a mikvah. What's this idea of mikvah? Also, why 40? So all the questions we're asking, but what's the deeper concept of the, the spiritual paradigm of mikvah? So the Maharal opens up this topic in the most incredible way by explaining the nature of water itself. And he explains that the essence of water is that it's formless. Water has no independent form. It adopts the shape of its container. So you look at an ocean, ocean is completely formless. Right? Dry land, there are pathways, there are landmarks, but water reflects the concept of something that's formless and it also represents the stage of taking on form. So it's essentially the concept of creation, as in it's both formless and it takes on the form of its container. So it represents the stage of something going from a formless state, becoming expressed into something that has form. So before something has a shape, has a form, it's formless, it's amorphous, it's just shapeless and then it goes through the, the process of being created and it takes on shape it takes on a physical form it becomes tangible so that's why the torah always refers to the creative process whenever akash Baruch is creating something of form emerges from water so when akash Baruch originally created the world dry land emerged from the water when it comes to the Mabel, Hashem wasn't destroying the physical world. He was actually recreating it. Many of the Mepharshim talk about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu recreated the world with Noah. And that recreation required it to go back to the initial state of creation. So there was a Mabel which covered the world with water, going back to that formless state. And then once the dry land emerged, then Noah left the Teva and went back to basically rebuild humanity. That's what the essential nature of the dove, the Yonah, was to see if the dry land had emerged. So Hashem wasn't destroying the world, He was recreating it. And this principle actually applies throughout the nature of Torah thought in the principle of creation. As in, on a, on a universal creation level Hashem created the physical from from the water itself and each individual exists in the womb in the you know the fetal fluid so to speak where they are literally being created the me shafir these these fetal fluids where we are literally surrounded by water in the womb is where we are being created and we emerge in the physical world with form born from water, from formlessness. So formlessness is the root, it's the stage before taking on form. And that's, we've mentioned many times, how you learn Kol Torah Kula, the Gemara Nida, the Lama Beis, as you learn Kol Torah Kula, you're being instilled with everything that you're going to be as you 
enter the world as you leave that formless state but in that formless state you're in a state of perfection so the concept of water the concept of formlessness is that which is beyond teva so it's essentially that which is infinite that which is perfect that which is ethereal that which is transcendent purely spiritual the concept of in the water in that formless state is beyond anything finite, anything limited, anything with boundaries, anything corporeal, anything that decays and falls apart and withers. It's the concept of being at the root stage. So when we're in the womb, the Vilna Gon talks about this, many of the Maral talks about this, how you're in a state of perfection. You are experiencing everything that you should become with your life, everything that you truly are at root. You leave that water state, you leave the, the Meshef, you leave the fetal fluids, you leave the womb, you leave learning Kolotar Kula in the womb to come into this world and express it, become it, allow that which is at root beyond form to take on form in as much as possible in this world. And the idea is that you are giving form and actualizing everything you were shown in the womb. And that same idea the Maharal explains applies on the Klali national level as well. Klai Yisrael, what's the birth of Klai Yisrael? So you say maybe when they left Mitzrayim. So why did they go into the Amsof? Everyone has the same question. Why did Klai Yisrael go into the Amsof? If you think about it, it didn't make much sense. Because if you say it was to get to the other side, the Chazal talk about how they actually went in a U-turn. They went straight back where they came from. So some of them first say it was to the Ramban, explains it was to draw the Mitzrim in so that the Mitzrim would be destroyed in uh, the Amsov. But there are different approaches. But the Maharal explains like this in such a powerful idea, which is that it's the same idea. Kleistra left Mitzrayim as individuals, 600,000 people. But we went into the water to go back to a state of absolute formlessness and oneness so that we can emerge not as 600,000 people, but as one nation. It was the birth of Klai Yisrael. That's why the Midrash says that we were taken out. It was like literally the waters breaking. That was Kriyas Yamsef. It was the birth process of Klai Yisrael. It went in one way, came out another. It was literally not only... It wasn't a rebirth, it was a birth. It was a literal birth. It was the inception, conception, and birth of Kleistro. And there, there's more to it. There's a lot of, of stages of that birth process in terms of Karim Pesach and Brismila and Matan Torah, different stages. But Kriyas Yamsef was such a powerful way of building building that oneness of Kleistro. And that's the concept of a mikvah. A mikvah is where we tap back in to the principle of rebirth, where we go back to a state of our true root, of our fetal selves, when we were in our perfect state in the womb, you know, surrounded by water, formless, beyond physical form. We go back in. So mikvah, essentially, the ikr of the mikvah is really two different components. When you go in, you're going back to your root. You're going back to a formless state. When you come out, you're emerging, reborn, ready to live at the level that you just experienced. So the ikar, it's hard to really say one stage is the ikar because the ikar is really coming out, reborn. But in order to do that, you have to go in and get back to root level of self. And it's, it's powerful when you go into a mikvah realizing what's happening. That you're not just washing off but you're existentially transforming. You're tapping into a part of yourself that is so beyond reach, and then you're coming back into this world with that still in your hand, literally and figuratively. And the concept of conversion, someone who's, who's misguided, someone who converts, 
the mikvah is not just a part of that process. It's literal rebirth. It's tapping into that that stage of true transformation. That's why there's a principle, Gerakit Katan Shinoladami, that someone who converts is like a brand new born person. It's like someone who's born anew. Why? Because you literally are being born new. Yes, there's the Shla and many Mefarshan that say that anyone who converts, the reason why they were drawn to it is because they were one of the individuals from different nations who accepted the Torah and Sinai. They wanted to join Klai Yisrael. But still, to actualize that potential, to actually become the person that you know you're capable of becoming requires a true transformation. It might be a transformation that's a revelation, that's a revealing who you truly are, but still, there is that genuine rebirth that is still happening. And that's also how we can understand the importance of the number 40. 40 comes up in many, many different places in Torah, and 40 always represents the concept of something taking on form. Right? Number 40 represents the spiritual concept of form, the point at which something that's formless or in many different pieces comes together to take on a concrete form, coming together to create something holistic and one. And there are so many different examples. So for example, think about some of the 40s. Right? You have 40 of water in a mikvah. We have 40 days of the mabul, right? A kosher... The kosher mikvah has to be before you said. It's not just the kosher mikvah. You also have a mabul last of 40 days. What's the connection? The fetus in the womb is, is maya ba'alma for the first 40 days, according to Chazal. Well, what are all these 40s? So there's so many 40s. So the mabul lasted 40 days because it was a recreation of the physical world. A mikvah is 40 sa because we're recreating the self. It's you're being reborn anew. The reason why a fetus has no form until 40 days is until 40 days, it doesn't take on form. It's just... Maya Balma is just water. It starts to actually have a shape once you spend 40 days. Moshe spent 40 days and nights on Harsinai, which was literally a revelation of the form of reality. It's literally a revelation of truth in this world. And there's so many Jewish people, Klai Yisrael, spent 40 years in the Midbar because it was the process of their becoming ready to enter Eretz Yisrael. It's literally the process of their formation. Chazal and Pekayeva say that the age of Bina is 40. Because what's Bina? Bina is not just understanding a bunch of facts, but it's the ability to interconnect data, facts, you know, quote-unquote knowledge, into something much more systematic, developed, and something that takes on form, which then connects it to wisdom, Chachma, which is underlying principles, you know, something that's so integrated in one that, Everything becomes an expression of that. So the Ramchal always talks about klalim and pratim. Klalim, a klal, includes countless pratim. You get one idea, one concept, one principle. There are countless applications, countless halachos, facts. You know, one seed expresses itself with hundreds, maybe even thousands of branches. But you want to go after that interconnected root, not all of the dispersed expressions. Like, would you rather have a $100 bill or, you know, some thousands of pennies? It's your choice, but you'd rather collect things into a potent, interconnected root than just have all of these things flying all over the place in chaos where it's not organized. So this idea, by the way, this idea of 40 is very deep because what's the name of of the water that the fetus is surrounded in? It's called Me Shafir. 
Meishafir. So this is very connected to the, the Zman, the time of Rosh Hashanah, because what do you hear about Meishafir, the water of Shafir? Shafir, the fetal fluids, literally means also water of perfection. But what do you also hear when you hear Shafir? You hear the w- word Shofar. What's a shofar? The Rambam says that the essence of shofar is waking you up to go back to your root, waking you up to to yearn to return back to your ultimate source, which is your ultimate self, which is the self of all self, the neshama of all neshama, says the Nefesh Chaim explains, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the essence of shofar is basically getting you go. It's it's a mikvah without a mikvah. Essentially, it's a, it's waking you up to. That's why we go to a mikvah, <laughs> and that's man. You know, not just you know some people go every erev Shabbos, but the idea of Erev Rosh Hashanah, Erev Yom Kippur, that Zman, we're going back to our ultimate root, it's Zman of true, true higher levels of awareness and connection to Gaj Baruch Hu. So that shofar, which is, L'Shaper literally means to perfect, to beautify. So we blow the shofar to direct us back to our root. Now think about this. 40 days in the womb, the first 40 days in the womb, are, you're just my mama, but there's another 40 connected to this, which is what? There's 40 days of shofar. If you think about it, we begin blowing shofar in Rosh Chodesh Elul. And the final, shofar, the final shofar blast occurs at the end of Yom Kippur. So there's no coincidence. It's, you know, just think this through. How many days are there from Rosh Chodesh Elul through Yom Kippur? There are 40 days. It's a 40-day gestation and formation for the rest of our year. Yom Kippur literally marks the rebirth, the recreation of not only Christ, but each individual as we get ready for a new year. So this idea of, and you can obviously ask the question, because we don't blow show for every day from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, but that's okay. As in, there's that 40-day period from the beginning till the end. And the concept, this is such a powerful concept, before we start delving into all of the, the fascinating halachas of mikvah and how these come up with so many different debates throughout Shas and all these different sugyas that come up in mikvah, the concept is that mikvah is an opportunity to tap into your true root, your true self, so that you're not only inspired, but you come in touch with what you're truly capable of becoming. And this is a principle that we've discussed many times before, but Avraham is perhaps the most paradigmatic role model in this category of life because Avram is known for saying Anochi for Many people translate that with the Ambadas Nashes as a mark of humility. But some of the Bali Machshav explain that Anochi Afarvefer means something much more than Ambadas Nashes. It's reflecting this deep principle of mikvah, which means what? That Afar is ashes. What, what does it mean to ash? Ashes are the fundamental components of an entity. When you ash something, when you burn it, you break it down into its core components, into its elemental root form. And dust, dirt, is where you plant something anew. So Avram was saying that every day I ash myself, I break myself down, get back to my root, and then I plant myself anew to create something even greater. As in, I don't continue just living the way I lived I don't continue just doing what I've done. I am constantly tapping into the root of who I am and taking it to the next step, which essentially means I'm constantly becoming more. I don't ride off of yesterday's success. I don't ride off of what I accomplished yesterday. Yes, I remind myself what I'm capable of, but every day I want to become the best version of myself, which means more than I am. I want to become more than just a continuation of yesterday. I want to take it to the next level. And 
the mikvah, it gives us the opportunity of understanding like the spiritual metaphysics of what that means, as in literal rebirth. You're not just washing off, you're not just being inspired, you're not just connecting to Hashem. You are literally being reborn, transformed, tapping into a higher level of self. So now as we continue to go into all of the, the fascinating halacha components of mikvah, this will serve as a great foundation.